Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Secret Stories from the Underground. Today, we got our buddy BJ on the show. Uh, BJ has been a part of some great movies, horror movies, uh, romance. He's got wide range and uh, variety in his um, catalog there. Uh, BJ has worked on the movie Singles, Cameron Crowe movie. Um has a legendary uh, cast to it. It was awesome to be able to talk to him about that movie. Being a movie or a music fan anyway, and a movie fan, um, Singles, in my opinion, has one of the best uh, music soundtracks out of any movie, or I would say it's at least in the top 10. So it was awesome sitting down, you know, the movie, it's got Eddie Vedder and, you know, a bunch of great musicians in it. Uh, Alice in Chains. It, it was a great movie. Great movie. If you've never seen the movie Singles, you're uh, you're missing out. Go check it out. And we talked to BJ about many other things. But uh, before we get into the interview, I have to let everybody know we've been promoting a show with our band D&D for tomorrow night. That is Friday night. And uh, unfortunately, it has been canceled due to the old Rona. Um, everybody in our band is safe. The touring bands are safe, but unfortunately there was an issue with the venue. We will have a makeup date. Um, it's not going to be at the same venue, but we are going to have at least one more show in Lincoln, Nebraska before we head out of town. So, uh, we'll be making that up. We apologize. We really, really were hoping to, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. It's not tomorrow night. It's Saturday night, uh, at the Royal Grove. Uh, we were hoping to be out there Saturday night at the Royal Grove, but unfortunately, once again, um, complications due to the Rona have struck, and uh, we will not be there. So, go to our band page, D&D Music on Facebook, and um, you can keep up to date with all the dates that we have there, and uh, we will have new dates out here soon. So, thanks everybody, thanks for your support. Uh, please like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast. We really appreciate it when you do that. And you'll stay up to date with all the fun interviews that we have coming out soon. So, uh, all right, enough of my bullshit. Here's an interview with my buddy, BJ. BJ, are you there? I am trying to get my, my earpiece to work here, and I don't know why it's not. Can you hear me? Uh, barely. Let me try this. <clears throat> all right, try again. Can Can you hear me? All right. No, nah, I can't hear you. Like I can barely hear you. I guess we'll just do it this way. I don't know why the uh, headphones not connecting. Right. Maybe I can. Uh, let me try real quick. One second. Sorry, guys. So well, you're good. Oops, I wasn't sure if this was uh, recording video as well. I, I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we, we don't have the face for video. <laughs> yeah, I was in a My mom always said I had a face for radio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, uh, we, we definitely look better behind the scenes. So <laughs> There we go. Okay, now, can you hear me better? Yeah, we can hear you great. Can you hear us cool. better? Yep, absolutely. Okay. So welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for giving us your time. I'm here with my co-host, Dean. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Uh, so what have you been up to today? How's your day going? Uh, so far, so good. Getting some stuff done around the house. Uh, first fire of the season. You know, make sure that the uh, chimney's not stuffed up with bird nests. <laughs> So uh, where, where is it that you live? I live in southern Washington State uh, near Vancouver, right across the border from okay. uh, Portland, Oregon. Nice. So uh, it's pretty beautiful out there then, huh? Beautiful. Gorgeous summers, all two weeks of it. <laughs> Do you, you get a lot of rain? Uh, yeah, it's the only state I've lived in that I have to mow the roof. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one thing I've heard about Washington. Yeah, it gets a lot of rain over there. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, how long have you lived there? I was born and raised in Seattle. Uh, moved around a little bit with the military and uh, 
just life and came back here in 09. Okay, cool. So are you a grunge fan? I not necessarily, um, you know, no music is bad as long as someone's listening to it, but, uh, I'm a seventies and eighties kid. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No, good music still for sure. Love the seventies and eighties. So, uh, how, how did, how'd you get into film? Uh, well, I think my first project, I was either four or five years old and, uh, there was a medical documentary being filmed in local radio or a TV station. And my brother and I were featured in it and, uh, kind of caught the bug there and, uh, uh did some uh, school theater stuff and, before going into the army, um, did a couple of films, uh, worked on uh, seven hours of judgment with Bo Bridges, worked on Harry and the Hendersons with John Lithgow, a uh, couple other projects. And then life happened, joined the army and, uh, just kind of, I guess, put it on the wayside for a while. And opportunity presented itself a few years back. I thought, yeah, let's give it a shot again. I was looking at your IMDb and it looks like you've done pretty much uh, everything from acting to producing. Uh, how, when did you start getting into the producing side? Well, the producing, that was the, the thought of getting back into it was more of a behind the camera um, way of doing things. Uh, I did production in music. Uh, I did production in radio uh, and it's fun. A lot of fun. And when uh, the, uh, I think the first one was Attack of the Unknown when I came back into it and they said, hey, uh, we need a reporter on green screen. Would you be interested? Sure. Why not? Well, yeah, the bug bit again. And now like, well, <laughs> I can be producer actor. Sure. Why not? That's cool. So uh, was like uh, singles your first movie? that you didn't act in uh uh yes yes that i didn't do any acting in the <laughs> my part in singles uh if you remember the film or next time you watch the film there's a scene where the uh the the power couple of the film are getting amorous on the couch and they cut to the garage door going up and down i was oh, yeah, yeah. The garage door. Yeah. i remember that yeah. scene I stood out there with the camera guy and uh, first AD and <laughs> just hit the button. They just told me when to hit it and I'd hit it and up and down the, the garage door went and there it was. So you're, <laughs> you're the dude that made half of that scene work. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, and ironically uh, in that film, uh, Michael Sue, who is a, a director cinematographer, uh, great guy. Uh, if, if Michael Sue is directing traffic, I would go watch it. Uh, he's also <laughs> in, he's also singles. He plays uh, uh, the main character's buddy at work. And we didn't know each other then. Uh, and then when I went down to his house in Vegas to shoot my scenes for uh, Attack of the Unknown, as well as Bridge of the Doomed, and discussing our resumes, it was, oh my God, we're both Seattle boys and, and we were both in singles and we bonded immediately. That, that's cool. No, that, that was an awesome movie that, uh, oh, a great soundtrack and awesome cast to it. Oh, that movie has probably one of the best soundtracks ever. But, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. No, it was, it was such a great movie. Did you get to meet a lot of the cast on that? I met with Matt. Uh, the uh, scene where he is walking back down to the apartment towards the end of the film and flips the vacancy, no vacancy sign. Uh, my assignment at that point was to stop traffic at the top of the hill while he's walking down. Uh, so, and every time he'd come back up for reset, uh, we have, you know, idle chit chat, you know, conversation, but super, super nice guy. Um, Cameron Crowe, great guy. Um about the only two that I really interacted with on the set, you know, plus your, you know, first ADs and all of that. But as far as uh, the characters of the film, um, probably Matt Dillon was the, uh, the main one. Was that all a uh, shot in Seattle then? 
I believe it was shot entirely in Seattle. Some on the waterfront, uh, the apartment complex was over Capitol Hill area, um, but mostly waterfront. Um, the restaurant scenes, all that was down there. All right. So since you're a Seattle guy, you might know. Well, you should know because it was in the movie. But uh, <laughs> the spray painting on the wall with Mother Love Bone, what part of town is that in? Do you know? <laughs> um, I believe that's downtown near the uh, Pike Place Market area. We got all the right. gum wall and all of that. That should be down there. Yeah. I don't yeah. know for sure. I'm a Seattle guy, but I'm an old Seattle guy. That was a long time <laughs> Do you know if that's still there or is that going now? Chances are it's been covered over. Oh, that's it. In fact, the uh, the gum wall, the famous gum wall, they scraped all of If you're not familiar with the gum wall, it's a place down at Pike Place Market where you chew your gum. They'll even sell you the gum. You chew it up and you stick it on the wall. It is the nastiest thing because you've got all of this. <laughs> dna all over the wall well a couple years ago they went scraped it all off and cleaned everything and then put the gum back up what why want to make sure all this nasty ass gum has a clean surface to be sitting (laughs) on oh yeah they might as well just call it the petri dish (laughs) yeah no kidding no, that's that's gross, but it's awesome at the same time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, uh, what is uh, what's the biggest challenge with producing something? Who, um, getting it done, I think. Um, but when you've got a good production team, and I've I've worked with some very good production teams. Um, uh, most notably the Mahal empire with Michael and Sonny Mahal. And they put together a team that knows what they're doing. Um, so there's, there's, I don't want to say there's no challenge because obviously there's a challenge to everything, but the challenges are minimal. Um, everybody works as a cohesive unit and it's, uh, it makes it very, very fun. We did uh, night of the Tommy knockers, which is still in post-production in January it was a, a Western horror film. Uh, and it was probably some of the most fun I've had on a set. I mean, it was, there's Richard Grieco, Tom Sizemore, uh, Jessica Morris, Angela Cole. Uh, we just, every day was a blast. And uh, like Richard Grieco said, you know, we're, we're not making a horror film. That's a Western. We're making a, a Western that's got some monsters in it. So let's have fun. And oh my God, did we have fun? Yeah. He seems like a guy that'd be a lot of fun to work with. Oh yeah. Yeah. Great guy to work with. Great guy to be friends with. Uh, we've seen each other socially. Um, just a super, super cool guy. Not what you would expect. The funny thing is, and I told him as rich, you play yourself in movies like uh, Night at the Roxbury and you come across as this arrogant, he is the farthest thing from that, at least in my experience, <laughs> but uh, super, super cool guy. It's funny you mentioned Night at the Roxbury because anytime I hear that name, that's the first thing that pops into my head is <laughs> Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said people still come up to him and say, I'm just, I just don't want to get sued. <laughs> what were you going to say, Dean? Oh, so do you have a, a release date yet then for the Night of the Tommy Knockers? We don't, but I understand that we are close to the end of post. Um, so hopefully by the end of the year, although we're coming in, we're in October now, I don't know that's going to happen. Um, uh, it, maybe start of next year. At this point, we've got a bunch that are in the can right now, just waiting to go. Death Count is another one that, uh, if you're a fan of the Saw films, oh man, this thing, um, unbelievable. Yeah, I seen that you had a lot on IMDb that that's waiting to come out. Uh, how have you stayed so busy during COVID? You know, we all kind of laugh about that. You know, COVID shut SAG and everything down, so these are non-SAG films. But we've done, oh my gosh, six or seven films during COVID. Um, <clears throat> we uh, 
adhere to strict COVID protocol. So like on Tommy knockers, we had blood test every two days. Um, and then arena wars, we had, um, we went to the swab and it was nice because the original swab, if you remember, you know, you're sending that swab all the way to Sheboygan where now you just go to the back of the nostrils, swirl, swirl, do the thing and wait 15 minutes and you're good to go. Uh, but masked up in between, um, there's a couple of uh, behind the scene pictures that would have been great pictures had they not had masks on. Um, but, uh, we did everything we could, you know, we, we distanced ourselves. We, uh, we were just very conscious of everybody. I wouldn't say we're, uh, afraid or scared, but we were very conscious of it and wanted to make sure that we were all collectively safe. Now, did you run into any issues with anybody not wanting to comply with those protocols that you guys had in place? Nope, not one time. Everybody understood. Everybody got it, regardless of opinion about the subject. Um, it was just, look, this is what we have to do. We're not SAG, but we've, we're following SAG's guidelines. And everybody professional, so we all, we all followed so, it. No need for the Tom Cruise outburst of, <laughs> we're not shutting down. <laughs> no, no, but, you know, it's funny because that came up when that happened, and there was a, a handful that said, Oh my God, what was he thinking? And the other handful going, yeah, he's the executive producer. He's the one paying money. He's the one that's at, at risk for uh, financial risk as well. So yeah. of course he's going to protect his investment. And from the executive producer side, I absolutely agreed with him. And as in most cases, was that the first time he had to say something or was that the fifth time he had to say something? And finally it was like, okay, oh, yeah. you didn't listen the first time. <laughs> oh, you're I, I listen totally now. agree with it. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agreed with him. You know, I, I Absolutely. you know, yeah, these are not uh, cheap films to make by any means in that. And <laughs> well, know, even when that money's coming out of your own. And then plus you, you've got a responsibility to your, to your crew and things like that, that, you know, mm -hmm. I think that, not everybody understands that, you know, you do have that responsibility to keep them safe. And Absolutely. Yeah. We had, uh, on Tommy knockers, we had, um, one person came down and we made the decision to shut production down for the day and, uh, cleanse at least where the person was, it was not where the rest of the cast was. They, they had just come in, but where we did the testing, we had to shut down and the decision again was made to just shut down for the day. And that cost us like $20,000 just to shut down for the day. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've got your, your, <laughs> actor, your actors that have to be paid for the additional day now. And, um, the, the, the location like, well, you're still going to pay us. So, you know, it's one of those things, you know, and, and again, it turned out it was one, one person, it was isolated, but just more out of, uh, precaution than anything else uh we wanted to do a good cleanse and uh and everything was fine we never had another incident well you, you'll have to keep us posted on when the night of the tommy knockers gets a release date i'd like to watch it i think it sounds pretty interesting it's a good film it's a good fun film um death count i understand should be done anytime um and then uh i think lionsgate is interested in that one which i hope so as, uh, again, well, again, if you're a fan of the soft hey, films, yeah, yeah. Well, Costas Mandalore is our, our antagonist, and Costas was in four or five of the of the soft films as Detective Hoffman, and uh, it's just, yeah, it's really good. The interaction in the cells and the, the captives, um, uh, yeah, yeah, and I've got some pretty brutal scenes myself. <laughs> so, would you say that horror is kind of your uh, go-to genre then? Well, horror translates into any language. So it, it, something that might be a romantic comedy in the United States won't play well in Japan because the jokes are different. Where horror, you don't even have to know what they're saying to know that somebody just got their head cut off. And yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, got, uh, we've got some pretty brutal stuff in, in Death Count. It's, it's, it's gory. Um, not gory in the sense of... Uh, Oh, absolute gore films. It, it, well, one guy gets his head blown off. 
And that's a pretty gory <laughs> spot. But yeah, it's uh, and I won't mention who it is. I'll, I'll leave that for uh, the non-spoiler alerts here. But um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's and and horror because of that tends to make the most money. Um, but I just finished uh, wrapping scenes with Vernon Wells uh, from Road Warrior, uh, Commando. Uh, what was uh, Weird Science? He was uh, the biker gang that showed up in Weird Science. He was the main biker guy, um, and it's kind of a more of a comedic thing. It's it's still a horror film, but it's a horror comedy called uh, uh, Werewolf Cabal. Uh, most of it was shot over in the UK and uh, uh, some slapstick stuff, some funny stuff though. So, um, but horror, yeah, horror seems to be a lot of fun at least. So, you know, now that you mentioned about like uh, having the scene with the gunshot and that, I am really curious aside from that, your, um, your, your CG and that, you know, how in the world do they make that stuff look so damn real now? Because, like, <laughs> you see somebody get their head blown. I mean, that looks like you just watched somebody get shot. <laughs> yeah, in the old days, uh, I did some haunted house work in Seattle and learned a lot of techniques. And In fact, Tom Savini uh, showed us some stuff. But um, so I can still do the, the, the burn scar and the bullet holes. And we used to use squibs um, where you had a little explosive pack behind it and you had to protect the, the body part wherever that was at and it just blew out. Well, that's dangerous at the same time. So anymore, like uh, Tommy knockers, um, we use paintballs. So you get the splatter from the paintball and then the rest is CGI. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're not shooting somebody in the head with a paintball, of course. Uh, most of that <laughs> is CGI. You know, and then we'll start the scene, the, the gunshot goes off, cut, do the makeup, um, and to where you see the bullet hole. But when it actually happens, if it's on screen, that's that's all CGI. That stuff looks so awesome anymore. I mean, it just... It looks real. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got, uh, like I said, for, for my, uh, in uh, Death Count, I take a ball peen hammer and, and do just some nasty things to my hand. And that's probably the most spoiler I could give. I don't want to say too much about it, but <laughs> it's brutal. It looks really, really bad. My wife is over here cringing as I'm describing it again. She was there while I did it. So, but it's to the now, point. It's, that that's one, one of those I won't even let my mom watch it. Oh really? <laughs> so was that a was that a CG thing too, or was that done with with regular effects? Or that was done with regular visual effects. Yeah, um, we uh, uh, as I start smashing my hand, we just started adding things in latex, and uh, um, at one point there's an exposed bone, and we used uh, parts of a chicken wing. Really? <laughs> yeah, that day's lunch wound up being in the movie. <laughs> whatever works <laughs> absolutely absolutely we had a great our, our special effects team on that was was wonderful um the the stuff they came up with there's there's so many visual effects in there that would not have worked uh had it not been for uh, uh Haley and nessa and junior um it, it just yeah yeah they uh yeah it was it was fun to watch them work so I, I seen on your IMDb earlier that you have uh, oh I don't have the title in front of me but it looks like a a horror Santa movie. Oh, Axmas, yeah, yeah. I was yes, uh, executive producer on that. Yeah, I was uh, executive producer on that one. Um, it, uh, um, I, I, you know what? I've not even seen that one out yet. Um, actually, I think it is out. I just haven't seen it yet. I, I was involved from the, from the EP side of things on, on that one. So I really don't know a whole lot about, uh, about it, but um, I, I'm equating it to uh, tales from the crypt. Um, I think it was the first episode of tales from the crypt actually, where the, the, the demented Santa showed up and just killed everybody. Nice. Love tales from the crypt. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that's cool. I like uh, I like when you can make Santa a bad person. 
So sure. <laughs> <laughs> I like the the uh, what was it? Silent Night, Deadly Night movies. Can you yes. tell who got cold for Christmas? <laughs> right. Yeah. Who got cold and 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 who got killed? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, do you have like a, I guess, a favorite genre of horror that you're into? I like suspense. Um, the suspense thrillers, um, uh, and, and, and actually something that's got a little bit of a comedic value to it. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little broader than just a, a specific type, but, uh, it, it's all fun to do and, and it's not for everyone. And I get that. And you know, a lot of my, my family, like, Oh, I'll never watch that. Good. Well, you don't have to. <laughs> it doesn't bother me, but you know, it's, it's, if it's not their cup of tea, that's, that's fine too. But, um, uh, as a kid, now I grew up with, uh, Friday the 13th, the original stuff. Um, yes. so yeah, so it was, uh, uh, any homage to that I'm good with. Yeah, no, them are my favorite kind. I like the slasher. You know, the, and I love anything from the 80s, really. I think 80s had a special uh, time for horror. Well, like I said, though, uh, you know, both Friday the 13th and like Nightmare on Elm Street and that, what mm -hmm. I love is that they do have moments of comedy in them. Yeah. And oh, yeah. that, like, one of the Friday the 13th, I think it's part six, like, there's two people making out in a motorhome, they're getting it on, and it's shaking, and then Jason looks, and he just tilts his head sideways like he doesn't quite get what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> it just cracks right. me up. <laughs> And then Freddie, he always had some good little, you know, foul ass lines that were fantastic that were fun. <laughs> well, that's what I liked about uh, Cabin in the Woods, because it it was reminiscent of the the original Friday the Thirteenth and all that. Joss Whedon put that out uh, a few years back, um, but uh, so and it had its comedic points. It's clearly had comedic points to it, but. Uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah, I like the one that, that you can get into and still not be completely scared senseless during the entire film. Yeah. Yeah. When you're producing something like this, uh, is, there, is there a line that you have to watch to be able to sell it? Uh, is, there, yeah. is there lines that you can't cross? Like, what, what, is, what are some of them? Uh, the main one is don't make it too cheesy. If it's too cheesy, um, nobody's going to watch it. Um, you're going to get the bad reviews. Uh, and then the, the, the other side of that is if, if it's too cheesy, then you've got to go full on cheese. And now <laughs> you've got the parody movie. Um, so there's, there's a fine line, but once you cross it, you've got to go full cheese, I guess I just coined that, I guess full cheese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you just, uh, your effects, you know, do you have, uh, you know, blood splattering up on the, on the, the screen, you know, that's that, uh, I get what, what directors are going for with that. I just, yeah, I, I don't know that it's necessary. Um, uh, there's a gratuitous sex scenes, you know, is it really necessary? Well, you know, I mean, Friday the 13th, the first time it came out, I was a pubescent boy. Of course I enjoyed the hell out of that. And now so, that I'm old, so I'm like, pretty necessary oh, then. Really? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and then now it's like, well, is that really necessary? And I go, well, you know, go back to being 13. It sure as hell was then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, that, that was another thing. Um, do you find with putting nudity in movies these days, it is a little harder uh, for it to be accepted. Uh, I think if it's warranted or if it makes sense, then, then I'm good with it. And, and a lot of people feel that way too. We, um, we didn't have any nudity in Tommy knockers cause really didn't call for it. Um, death count. There's one scene of brief nudity but it called for it. It made sense in the film. Um, Arena Wars, I don't... Oh, there's one scene. There is one scene in Arena Wars, and it fits the scene. Um, so, but it's just, it's just not necessary in most film 
um, other than just the gratuitous nudity or gratuitous sex scene. Yeah, that, that seemed to be part of the formula for your 80s horror was that oh, yeah. there, there just oh. had to be a, a nice full frontal tit shot or something there, Absolutely. you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or for some reason, the camera guy had to follow them into the shower. Yeah. You know, just yeah. make sure she right? scrubs nice. Couldn't have a private <laughs> moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, and then Porky's, it fit in Porky's with the, the shower scene. Because they're yeah. ogling through the hole and all that. I mean, you can't look through there and they're in their bathing suits. It doesn't make any sense. So, And it it was playing off of that time in every freshman, sophomore kid's life. Now, do you think that like with the PC culture and things like that, that that is also another reason why it seems like people are so much more cautious with things like nudity and that now? Uh, there's probably an aspect of that, I would think. Yeah. You know, um, whether it's the, the Me Too movement or um, exploitation, um, I, I think it's certainly more on the radar. Um, we had um, we had an actress that was uh, supposed to be topless in a scene and she decided she didn't want to do it. She's at the, not quite at the last minute. It was a few days before the scene was shot and and you have a closed set and a closed set means no phones. Nobody's there except for the principal people that need to be there. Um, And then ultimately of course it's going to be on screen anyway, but it's still an uncomfortable thing for that actor or actress um, while being filmed. So she decided she really didn't want to do it and came to me and said, I just, I don't, I just don't want to do this. I'm so sorry. I, no harm, no foul. You know, we've got time to get somebody else in there. Um, and it wasn't about the money because they get paid extra uh, to, to be topless or completely nude. Um, so uh, for whatever your reason is to not want to do it, I don't have an issue with that at all. Just give us time. Don't be that morning and go, oh, by the way, I'm not doing this now. Well, you know, <laughs> we just lost a day of filming. Um, I have no problem with, with with not releasing her because she's still in the film. Um, we didn't release her from the contract. We just altered it. We got a replacement, no harm, no foul, done deal, no pressure. So, so you had a good attitude about it. It wasn't like you'll never work in this town again. (laughs) Oh no, oh no, no, not at all. She's an absolute delight, an absolute sweetheart. I won't give names, but, um, she was an absolute delight to work with. and, And I look forward to working with her again. Yeah, it, it is weird too. Like, it seems like that's gone away a little bit more in movies lately, but it seems like it's gotten really common with your TV shows. Oh, TV and shows that, like, are way more sexual than I remember when I was a kid. Yeah, all these TV series yeah. and that. Like, they, uh, like, that seems to be where it's at anymore. Not so much in film. Yeah, they're definitely. Um... I think they're moving the line. They've not crossed it, but they've certainly moved it over just a little bit. Yeah. uh, So when you're trying to write, you know, something funny for a horror movie, how how do you go about that without being cheesy? Um, You get it in your head and the character or the actor or actress is going to play the character. If you know their personality or their body of work. Uh, and sometimes you just call them on the phone and have a conversation and, and kind of get a feel for them. Um, we, um, uh, Tommy knockers. I'll, I'll use that as an example. Again, every morning, uh, Richard Greco, Jessica Morris, Angela Cole, and myself, we were first four in the call sheet. So we had the most scenes together and, we would sit down, we would get our sides and we would do what we called Grecoing the shit out of it because we would read and go, no, that doesn't work. I don't like that. That doesn't work. Let's do this. Let's, let's punch it up this way. And that's what we did. You know, and, and the, the director was totally cool with it. Well, the director again was Michael Sue. So uh, you just, whatever the feel is, how is this film going as far as the flavor of it, the feel for it, should we add this, subtract that? Let's let's focus on this part. Um, for example, my character and Jessica's character are real people. Actually, most of the film, uh, the, the principal people were real people. Uh, 
Jessica's character, uh, Julia Ann Swift was a, the first female photographer in the state of California back in the 1800s. My character, Fred Rudolph, they met, went and got married, had kids. That real story. So we had to establish at the same time their attraction to each other and that they were going to run off um, and get married. The original script, although it was a great script, um, because of how things were going, we had to change that and we had to alter how they actually became a couple and all of that. So some of that was rewritten immediately uh, that day. And um, I think it worked a lot better, uh, to be honest with you. I think uh, it's, it's, it's going to play better than the original script. Uh, and again, nothing. Rolf Kineski ran, wrote the first script and uh, it's a great script. We just had to adapt as we, uh, as we continued on. Now, is that something pretty common though, when you work on films that the, the script gets changed um, throughout the process? Depending on the film, uh, most of the ones that I've worked on, we're able to do that. We have a lot of leeway to, uh, to be able to do that, which is great. Um, some films you are, this is a script. These are the words written. There's a reason they were written and that's what you're going to say. And that's cool too. I don't have a problem with that. Um, it's just, however, the, the writer, the director, whoever is the, the, the big boss at that time. But, um, most that I've been on, if it makes sense to change it, it makes sense to change it, you know, uh, not too many egos when it comes to that. See, I wonder with that, like with writers, if they have an issue, like when there comes a chat when they have to change the script and I am that because I just, I, as a songwriter myself, I know I'm not great on somebody else wanting to rewrite me. So oh, I, I would lose my shit. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Your words are your baby. Absolutely. I've written a couple of scripts and uh, same thing where they go, oh, let's try this instead. I'm like, well, but that's not what I wanted to say. And then you look and go, well, okay, so it's not really what well, no, I got it. I got it. We'll, 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 we'll go with your thing. Sure. Why not? You know, uh, it's, it's just one of those things where you got to put the ego aside a little bit and, um, it, to make a better product. I've always uh, said, and I've said it many, many times, best foot forward. It's whatever's best for the project. Yeah. Do you, do you think that that comes along with age a little bit? Cause I know I'm a little bit more accepting with criticism now versus 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. Absolutely. As you age and mature more and everybody wants to think, well, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I'm mature. No, you're not. Yeah, no, not, 50. Not. then you're like, oh, I don't see things the way I did 10 years ago. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's yeah. I'm not maturing any quicker. I, I, the older I get, I don't think. No, yeah. no, 10 years ago, I was 30 and I thought I was mature, and now I'm 40 and I still don't think so. So I don't know what I was thinking <laughs> then. Oh, dude, I turned, <laughs> I turned 52 this year and I still sit and watch Jay and Silent Bob and Howl. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, love Kevin Smith stuff, you know, or Brickleberry. You right. know, I don't know if you ever seen that or not, but oh my god! Oh yeah, probably... I love Brickleberry. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, I mean, you're as old as you feel, I guess, or you're as old as you want to be. <laughs> uh, the Mule. Uh, I, I use this as an example a few times. The Mule with uh, Clint Eastwood. Uh, yeah. The, the the end song, Toby Keith, "Don't Let the Old Man In." That came from a golf outing between Toby Keith and Clint Eastwood and Clint at that point was 80 some years old and he's walking the golf course and Toby Keith says, how do you do this? What, I mean, you've got a golf cart. Why don't you use that? And he goes, I don't let the old man in. Cause as soon as you do, you're old. And I thought, man, that, and then wow. he went and wrote the song and now and sent it to Clint Eastwood and said, Hey, this is based on our conversation. Clint said, I'm going to use that in the movie. So, and it makes sense to just, you know, yeah, physically, yeah. you know, I'm a little more gray hair and, and wrinkles, but nah, I'm still probably somewhere between 20 and 25 at heart. <laughs> no, I, I really like that. that. That's a really cool line, actually. Yeah. Uh, what age were you when you joined the military? I was 19. Okay. 1988. So how, how long were you in? Eight years total. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Did you have a good experience there? Um, 
yeah, you know, as good as anybody can have, I guess. Um, met some, uh, made some good friends. Uh, in fact, um, my drill sergeant from 1988, Fort Dix, New Jersey, wound up officiating my wedding in 2018. Oh, really? We, That's cool. Yeah, yeah. we've become uh, very good friends and uh, uh, reconnected with some of the guys from basic training from way back when. And uh, we've gotten together a few times. And um, yeah, I'd say overall it was a positive experience. So during your run in the military, did you kind of have it in your mind that at some point you wanted to get back into the, the film industry? I've always, yeah, yeah. I, I did a, a morning radio show um, at, at uh, early on in, in my uh, military career as well as kind of a double duty. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that that bug or that uh, that feeling has had always been there um, forever, you know. And then being in law enforcement, you're acting half of the time anyway. Every time you make a, you know. Uh, during an investigation or whatever you're you're just you know good cop bad cop my old partner uh, yeah we were good at that and we'd switch off <laughs> uh, but you're acting the whole time you're working undercover you're you're acting the whole time you know, it just never yeah. left that that is such a, a kind of cliche uh interrogation tactic in that but it, it works doesn't it <laughs> it works very well yeah yeah <laughs> So what the is the psychology behind smart. it? <laughs> cool. Criminals do, do, aren't do criminals they... because they're smart. <laughs> do they do they ever teach you what the psychology behind that is? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. You're because uh, <sighs> again, <laughs> criminals aren't the brightest, uh, and then there are some that really are smart. Um, but at the end of the day, they want to be believed, especially if they're if they're cons. They they definitely. Uh, cons is in confidence, people, because um, they want to be believed. They want to be um, convinced that they've convinced you. So that's all you have to do. Um, once once you've got their confidence, you can control the situation, and it happens day in and day out. Uh, it's just uh, basically beating them at their own game. That's the, the philosophy of the psychology behind it. Makes sense. It gives them a, a false sense of trust. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you can trust us. We're the good guys. Mm -hmm. Yep. And let them keep talking. You know, ask one question <laughs> and just let them keep going. And they will tell you everything you want to know. <laughs> so did you get to travel uh, quite a bit when you were in the military? Uh, yes, did. Yeah. Yeah. It's at uh, Fort Dix in New Jersey and uh, down in Alabama, uh, Korea, the big sandbox. Um, and then they wound up in Fort Lewis, Washington. How was your time? Emma? Hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hot, muggy, and um, uh got real good at swatting mosquitoes. <laughs> was everything that Forrest Gump made it out to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, Alabama. <laughs> so now that you're married, does your wife ever watch your work and think what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. My wife said I can do whatever I want in film, but no love scenes. Oh, okay. I mean, nobody wants to see that anyway. Um, but there was, there's one scene in, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in Tommyknockers where, um, gosh, that would probably be a spoiler. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a scene in, in Tommyknockers where it gets really close, not as a love scene, but a kiss, a simple kiss. And my wife said, no, there is no simple kiss. So, yeah, yeah. And then um, Angela Cole, who plays Ben in the film, um, thought it would be funny if, uh, if that particular moment lasted longer than, than it was scripted. And as I turned my head to look at her, like, are you going to give me the cue? 
she's just kind of giggling. So I said, but my, the one day my wife was on the set was that day. She's standing <laughs> 10 feet over there <laughs> with my <laughs> golf club in her hand. Oh, yeah. No, there's there's no way my wife would be cool with that either. So. <laughs> no. No, no, there was, uh, yeah. She goes, as far as like the, uh, there's a scene where there's a, a, a couple that are in bed, um, kind of a, a, a whorehouse situation. And um, I was contemplating that character when we were doing the casting. And uh, she's reading through the script. She goes, nope, right there. You're not going to be doing that scene. Oh, okay, honey. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> now is that a pretty common hurdle you think for um for people that are are married or in relationships that are um in film and that where you have romance scenes or even you know further uh you know i think it's a personal choice and 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 i'm i absolutely agree with her I and mean, I, I joke a lot about that situation but i agree with her you know it's uh although it's two characters and and you're not really doing anything it's just it's a, a kind of a respect thing um oh yeah no i i still wouldn't want to see my wife kissing somebody else even if i knew what it was the point behind it it still wouldn't settle well with me <laughs> right well you know and it's funny we did uh, arena wars in may and my wife is in the cocktail party scene and she's on a date with a guy in the movie and i'm in the scene as well leading uh, the the prisoners in and i'm thinking you know what I got it on film. You're out with another man sitting at a bar. <laughs> What's the difference? You're on a blind date. You know, you that way. I, I just see that definitely being an issue with I, I men seem way more jealous type with that stuff anyway. So I, I feel like that would be a, a harder thing for an actor with uh, how they're their spouse or significant other might feel about some of the scenes that they. Yeah. Cause there's certainly an intimacy uh, in the characters to begin with. Um, and onset romances are well known. Um, and there have been several relationships and marriages that have been broke up because of onset romances. But what uh, most people don't understand or they don't realize is great. You fell in love with that character. Um, yeah. that actor may not be anywhere close to who that character is. And that's why they tend to fail. Uh, again, I won't mention anybody's name. But yeah, you well, that, fall in a... love with who that person is and not who that person really is. Yeah, yeah BJ, don't give anybody's name hollywood <laughs> no 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 god I, well and it i, I wouldn't want to single anyone out or leave anybody off the list and offend them by well, why don't you mention me i'm notorious no yeah. I'm good, thanks. That, that is a huge list for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> save that for another show we'll just read through all those names <laughs> sure, yeah, we'll hollywood failed marriages oh my gosh yeah no, it's it's definitely a hard business to you you have to find the right person for you for this business. You know, Dean and I we play music and uh there's no excuse for the extra romance that we get. Our wives, you know, they Yeah, there's they see us kissing somebody else and they're like, Oh, that's not for a scene. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are able but honey, it's but, part of the you know, business, no, I swear. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't, they don't believe any of that. You know, we just, we chose not to do. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody was asking, but. It's <laughs> <laughs> sort of like earlier when BJ said, he, you get paid more for taking your clothes off. I have not been working with that kind of a production crew. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of the reverse of that. They give me money to put my clothes back on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, no. So, what would you say has probably been your your favorite project that you've been on so far? Uh, Death Count. Death Count was uh, well, it's it's a cross between Death Count and uh, um, Tommy Knockers as far as recent stuff. But I was on um, uh, Father's Day 
back in the in yes. the early '90s with uh, Robin Williams and Billy Crystal, and everything you've heard about Robin Williams being on fire and on just being on twenty four seven, the man never stopped. I mean, it was just from the time he got to the set. I'm sure until well after he got back to the hotel, but um, and gracious, it was such such a delight to That's work. Awesome. I, I have always been such a huge fan of him. Even when I was a, a young kid, I love more Mindy and I read books about him and everything else. I just absolutely fascinated by him. I love the stand up. Now here's my question and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. So, you know, if you don't want to answer it, it's fine. <laughs> but uh, is, is Billy Chris a little different than what you would think he'd be in? Real life. I, I know people that have worked with him. Some say he's really cool. Others say he's kind of dry. Uh, he does have a drier sense of humor, um, a, a New Yorker type of sense of humor. But <clears throat> he he played off of Robin Williams just expertly. And then that meant that they played off of each other. So uh, how do I um, – Billy would, Robin would say something and it would be kind of off the cuff, which was no, not kind of, is always off the cuff. And, and Billy Crystal was very good at, you know, feigning um, uh, offense or just kind of, uh, you know, like, oh my God, you're stupid kind of thing. But they would play <laughs> back and forth that way, almost like the Bickersons. I mean, it was just, it was really, really fun to watch. And then you throw Ivan Reitman in there, who was our director. And, you know, Ivan is like, okay, guys, we got to get back to work. And, and Ivan was, not that he wasn't all work, but he was definitely, it's time for business. Let's do this. Um, but now Billy was great as well. He, uh, um, again, gracious, you know, for the unknowns that were there. And I was more of a PA than anything else. Um, I, I, I've looked and looked and looked and I'm, I know I'm in the casino. I just don't know where, but as a PA, you deal with them a little bit more. And yeah, I mean, they were both just great. A pleasure to have in class, as my teachers would say when I was being a shithead. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. I, I absolutely love that movie. Yes. Uh, no one that we've had on the show has ever had anything Robin Williams. He's oh, I don't know if there is anything. One person that everybody talks about that just everybody says... Uh, great things about him other than every once in a while he could do a lot of cocaine but that's it <laughs> he was definitely known to to do that um nothing that i ever saw of course but uh um but uh, of course and at the point at that point i was a police officer too so um we certainly wouldn't have seen any of that uh but uh <laughs> it, it, <laughs> At least I'm sure we would have turned ahead a quickly and said, dude, you need to put that away while I'm standing here. But uh, no, um, it, it, as, as shocked as, as the world was when, uh, when Robin died, um, it, at some point, you've got to go from a psychology standpoint, the guy's always on. So yeah. there's got to be what happens when he's off. And well, we, now we know. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, you know, the kind of highs and lows he must have had because, I mean, his, when he's on and up, it's, you know, a thousand percent. So, I mean, his lows had to be, had to be low. I mean, it's just yeah. inevitable. Yeah, it's such a shame. He was such a talented dude. Honestly, like one of the faces of my childhood, um, you know, just, and again, just uh, you know what, I, I've never even in watching TV interviews in that, I, way before he ever passed. I've never seen anybody say a bad word about the guy. None. Uh, except, well, I've, I've heard a couple, but those, you know, everybody, uh, everybody has somebody that doesn't like them for their particular reason. I've said this many times, you know what, if you want to hate me, that's fine. Just hate me for your own reason, not somebody else's. So um, there was a couple of people <laughs> that, that didn't care for Robin because they felt that he had done them wrong. But at the same time, it wasn't about his comedic ability. It was everybody. I, I don't know how many exes like their exes. So, <laughs> you know, 
in, in, in that breath. Sure. Yeah. You know, but uh, uh, no, no, most people, especially now, nobody's going to say anything. Now, you also have um, a credit as a casino patron in the movie Kingpin. Right. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. It was another situation where um, working off-duty um, as a police department, working off-duty security for the film, uh, and it was just a, hey, you want to be in the film? Sure, right? Show up tomorrow with uh, regular clothes. All right. Um, but yeah. it, it was one of those things that kept the bug biting me. You know, and I've looked again, and actually, it wasn't the casino; it was the bowling alley that that. Oh, was. really? Yeah, with uh, Woody I, and uh, Bill Murray. That is, that is one of my all-time favorite comedies. I could. Every bowler has their day. Yeah, no, that was that was fun. It was a good experience, and uh, uh, Bill Murray now, did, again. Did you get to interact with? Yeah, with Murray or, or uh, Woody Harrelson or anything? A little bit, yeah. I think more because I was a police officer than anything else. Um, uh, they're both very pro-cop and, uh, uh, well, at least at the time. But uh, um, uh, Bill was cool, you know. Um, and, and if you want to talk to Bill Murray, ask him how to fix your swing. And he will talk to you for the rest of the day. Uh, <laughs> You're going to have to explain yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, he's a big golfer. He's a big golfer. So if you're like, uh, oh man, you know, Bill, I just I got this problem with my slice. He's like, oh yeah, bring your foot back like this, and then and then he he'll pick up you know a stick if that's what's ne next to him you know, and and show you how to hold your hands and all that. It was it was really cool. It, to the uh, I'm looking at a picture right now that I have uh, a signed picture of Bill Murray in his backstroke. Um, uh, wearing some sort of a floral bonnet. I mean, which is totally Bill Murray. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so, no, great guy. Um, Woody, Woody Harrelson, funny, very funny guy. Um, um, likes to do character voices as well, uh, which is something I picked really? up on. And just, yeah, you know, when you're talking to your friend, you go, well, I'm going to go over it. You know, he would do that constantly. So, uh, yeah. Now, so, but, during the filming of Kingpin, how many times did you have to ask Randy Quaid to put the blow away? <laughs> <laughs> well, now that would be a spoiler alert. And um, uh, I never saw anything like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Randy, Randy, Randy's a good guy. He's a pleasure to have in class. <laughs> oh, he was hilarious in that uh, No, he, he's, he's been a part of some of my favorites too i love uncle eddie so <laughs> oh absolutely yeah <laughs> i think we all we all have an uncle eddie or cousin eddie somewhere there yeah our <laughs> or yeah cousin eddie. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. our family has more than one but... oh yeah <laughs> and he had the white yeah. shoes yep. yeah, yeah. The, the, the white shoes the white patent leather and if you were in those shoes or if your dad had those shoes, you've got some siblings somewhere in this world that you don't know about. <laughs> no, I love watching the old uh, vacation movies. Just the wardrobe that he wore in the movies. Oh they were great because they didn't change from the 80s to the 90s. <laughs> still the no. same. Yeah, if you go and watch Vegas Vacation, it's still the same suit pretty much. Blue yep. leisure suit. Yep. <laughs> Leisure suit Larry in the land of the lounge lizards. <laughs> but all right, BJ, man, we'll let you go here. Where can people go to find all your stuff that's coming out? Uh, at this point, IMDB, uh, then run my name, right. BJ Mezik, M E Z E K. Um, that's probably the best place to do it. Um, Bloodthirst is coming out. We have a release date, time frame. From Lionsgate uh, will be the end of March uh, at the latest, we're told at this point, the first week of April. Uh, the other ones, uh, Arena Wars won't be done until next year. Uh, Death Count should be done anytime. Uh, the last message I got a couple days ago was we're just putting the credits on now. Uh, and then, like I said, Lionsgate is uh, interested in that. So hopefully that will come out by the end of the year. But yeah, just uh, IMDb. And uh, I know it's kind of ambiguous, but it's, uh, you know, uh, best we've got at this point. Um, 
Do you do the social media? Yeah, I've got a Facebook page. Um, I've got a, a personal and a pro page, so they can certainly go to Facebook and, and BJ Mezik on there. And uh, I try to update it as best I can. I've got Instagram, but I mean, old dog, new tricks. So <laughs> I do what I can with it. And it's just me doing it. I don't have a team or anything doing it for me, but um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, as it comes out, uh, I'm, there'll be announcements here and there. Awesome. To date on that too, and when it gets a little closer, you know, we'll promote uh, what's coming out. So, oh, you know, great. we'll do a Appreciate promotion. That. Yeah, I'll yeah. shoot you an email and uh, as I hear things. Awesome, man. Well, we uh, hopefully we can have you back on the show. Hopefully, uh, you'll do this again. So, absolutely. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me. And we appreciate your time. Yeah, it's been great talking with you. Yeah, awesome. But, buddy yeah you can take care stay safe and uh best of luck man thank you you too all right take care all right Bye. Bye. Bye.